tonight to Galatians chapter 5, verse 26. The last, well, really 25, the last two verses in Galatians 5, and we'll read down through Galatians 6, 5. Uh, actually, I think the, in, in context, those two verses go with uh, chapter 6 rather than uh, bringing up the end of chapter 5. You know, and I've, we've talked about this before, I know you know it, but I'll remind you again that all of the chapter and verse division is arbitrary. It was done by translators. When Paul wrote this, he didn't have Galatians 6.1. It was just all one letter. And so as they were uh, translating, and to make it at ease for study and for referencing, they went through, they broke it down in chapters, and they broke it down in... Uh, uh, verses. Now, I'm sure you're saying, well, don't you think they were a lot smarter than you are to know where to break the chapters down at? They probably were, but I think they missed it every now and then. And I think this is one of those places where they missed it because I think 25 and 26 really fit with what Paul is saying in chapter 6 a little better. What Paul is dealing with there is a very controversial subject. As a matter of fact, uh, I dare say that you won't hear much talk on it in many places, uh, in many churches throughout our country any longer. Used to, you would. But what Paul is really dealing with here is the same thing that Jesus dealt with in Matthew chapter 18 when he talks about church discipline, uh, carrying out church discipline, caring for one another, uh, bearing one another's burdens, watching out for one another, and really taking care of one another. That's what, that's what church discipline is. Now, we tend to, when we hear the, when we hear the word church discipline, we tend to immediately think, of, oh, kicking people out of the church, excommunication. Well, that is a part of church discipline, but that is the final step of church discipline. That is what comes after time and time again trying to restore, trying to recall, trying to share with that person, and they refuse to listen. They continue in, in abject sin, and they are no longer allowed to be considered a called part of the body of Christ. And so they are expelled or excommunicated or churched I think is how it used to be referred to years ago and so that is a final step of church discipline but it is a final step not a beginning step it is a final step not something that is to be taken lightly or to be done quickly but it's something that's to be done after adequate time has been given to try and restore that person that's what Paul is talking about here although he never uses the word church discipline here like uh, Jesus did in Matthew chapter 18 but he's talking about these relationships that take place within the body. And as we've looked at Galatians, we've talked specifically about how the Apostle Paul has been concerned with conveying our freedom in Christ. That we are not to be bound by legalism and we're not to be uh, bound by license, but rather we are to be together in freedom in Christ. We have a freedom that comes from knowing him. We have a freedom to do what's right. We have a freedom to obey that we did not have before we were in Christ. And so Paul is concentrating this whole book on our freedom in Christ and not being caught up again in the oldness of life, whether it be the law or license. And so really what Paul is talking about, starting in verse 25, is what I would call the everyday exercise of freedom. The everyday exercise of freedom within the body of Christ, and that is the life of the Christian. Listen as I read, starting verse 25 and read through verse 5. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. 
Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted. You too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if, anything, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself or herself. But each, each one must examine his own work and then he will, he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Now we'll stop there this week <coughs> because there's plenty there to talk about and to discover and to understand. The first thing that Paul wants to make clear here is that we are in a community relationship. We're not, you know, we tend to view the Christian life in our day in an isolation, in a, in a oneness, in me and Jesus, and that's all that matters. It's just me and Jesus. That is a lie that has been perpetrated upon the church by the enemy. It's not been taught by God. God always calls us into community. When God saves us, he saves us as a part of community. He saves us as a part of the body of Christ. He brings us together that we might care for one another, that we might be involved in one another's lives. This is not just to be another place you can go one day a week. I mean, you know, we go to a ball game on Friday night, we go to church on Sunday. You know, we, we go to the store on Monday. We, we go to our bridge club on another day or whatever. This is, church is not to be just another place you have to go. But church is to be a place where you come and you enter into a community and a family relationship with one another. You've got a family uh, at some, some size and some sort, or you wouldn't be here tonight. You wouldn't be here on earth if you didn't have a family. You have a family. When you're within that family unit, when, and we'll talk about just the nuclear family, just the close family, mother, father, and children. If you see someone within that family unit that has fallen into an area that is not good for them, that we would call sin, or Paul calls trespass here, same thing. If you see one of your children doing that, how do you respond to that? Well, in the church, we tend to respond to that kind of thing, saying, well, that's really none of my business. That's between them and the Lord. You know, that, who am I to judge them? Who am I to say that they're wrong in what they're doing when it's an obvious violation of what Scripture says? But, but who am I? I, I? I know better than they. I, I have sin in my own life. Of course you do. That's not the point. In a family relationship, if you're in that relationship with children and mother and father and you see one in that family that starts to stray or starts to get into something that they ought not be in, you don't back off and say, whoa, none of my business. Just going to let them do what they want to do. But rather you get involved in their life, you call them back to, you call them to repentance, you call them to obedience, you call them to do what is right because that's what a family does. A family cares about one another and a family seeks to build one another up. The church of Jesus Christ is to be a family. All throughout the scripture, that is one of the most clear and most common used analogies or pictures of, of the church is that we are the family of God. We are called as brothers and sisters. And in Hebrews, a couple of weeks ago, we saw that Jesus is called our elder brother within the family. He is the only begotten son of God. We are the adopted children of God, but we're adopted into that family relationship we're not adopted into isolation. Paul is saying here, live like a family. Care about one another as you would in a family relationship. And if you see, 
he starts out well in 25 and 26 he says first of all if you if we live by the spirit we'll also walk by the spirit there, there's a there's a clear admonition there that that is what is to be we are to live by the spirit of God seeking his presence seeking his guidance and we are to walk in his spirit every single day walking by the spirit then he says here's some things you ought not be and talking about the Christian life and talking about being a family here are things you ought not be let us not become boastful I'm better than you I know more than you I'm stronger than you not, not challenging one another let's don't become challenging one another you know that that well you're not as good as I am you're not doing what I'm doing that's that's not to be a part of the Christian life nor envying one another what happens in a family if you have children and and, and one of them starts bragging and boasting that they're better than the other child or they can accomplish more than the other child you usually don't put up with that you say now wait a minute you may have some strengths and they may be very applicable in certain situations but your brother your sister also have strengths in other areas and you're not to boast about your strengths and try to denigrate what their strengths are and Paul says in the family of God in the church let us not become boastful challenging one another and envying one another you know we, we sometimes look at someone else in the body and we say boy God has really gifted them I wish I had the gifts they have I wish I was as important to the body of Christ to the church to the family of God as they are I, I really am envious of what God has done and is doing in their life Paul says there's no place for that in the family God has gifted you in a specific way with specific gifts to be able to serve him and to serve one another within this family don't be envious of somebody else find out what your place is find out what your gifts are and, and and get involved there minister there care for people in that way that God has gifted you so Paul says here's how you're not supposed to live then he tells how you're supposed to live in verse 6 excuse me chapter 6 verse 1 he says if anyone's caught in any trespass that is any sin can be big sin as we would categorize it or little sin doesn't matter if someone is caught in a sin that idea is if they're if they're trapped in it if they're if they're captivated by it if it has become something that is a real detriment to their life their health their spiritual walk it's become a detriment to the church the family if they're caught in any trespass no matter how big you might think it is or how small it is you who are spiritual now that's an interesting statement isn't it? you who are spiritual he just said if we live by the Spirit let us also walk by the Spirit that's a definition of those who are spiritual those who are spiritual are to have a special eye toward ministry to those who have fallen into sin and fallen into trespass they're to have a spe special sense a special concern because the whole idea here is that you who are spiritual are to go out and you are to restore such a one that has fallen into sin and trespass in the spirit or in a spirit of gentleness now the idea of restoration is the whole whole purpose of church discipline and this is a statement of church discipline if you see somebody in sin you by yourself you as a part of their family go to them and gently with gentleness and with compassion and with love confront them in that area that is your command from God through his word to you and me each one of us Jesus said basically the same thing if you look if you want to look back with me in Matthew chapter 18 <coughs> Matthew chapter 18 verse 15 
if your brother sins, and you can put sister in there too, if your brother or sister sins, go and show him or her his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. That's what Paul's saying here. Restore one who has fallen into trespass. If you see your brother in sin or your sister in sin, go to them in private. You know what the tendency is in our generation and in our churches today? Our, our tendency is to see someone in sin and to go and tell somebody else about it. You know, we see somebody in sin and we, we always go with a spirit of prayer. You know, we always go with a, with a prayer burden on our heart. You know, we really need to pray for Brother Jeff. Uh, I'm, I'm really not at liberty to say what he's doing, but suffice it to say, it's bad. And, and you know, he's going to bring remorse upon himself and upon his dear wife. Well, I don't want to say what it is, but remorse upon himself and his wife and even the church. So I need for you to pray for Jeff. Oh, yeah, well, I'll pray for Jeff. And then you depart. One goes that way, one goes that way. They find somebody else. You know what I just heard? We really need to be praying for Jeff. Well, I'm picking on Jeff tonight. But, you know, we really need to be praying for Jeff. You know, you won't believe what someone told me about Jeff. Now, this person has not seen him in that sin. They've just heard from another person. And before you know it, what the sin was, that is he stole 50 cents out of the collection plate, but before it gets to the end, he's about to murder his wife. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it gets that twisted. We know the, we know the struggle of gossip. We've seen the devastation of gossip. And that's all that is, is gossip. So, oh, no, it wasn't gossip. It was, it was a prayer request. It, I, I was really burdened for Jeff. If you're burdened for Jeff, and if you want to be biblical, and if you're burdened for Jeff, and you want to obey God and obey the Lord Jesus Christ, then you go to him in private. Just you and him. Nobody else. You don't ask for somebody to pray with you as you go to Jeff. You don't ask somebody to, uh, to go, go with you at this point. You just say, Jeff, I did, brother, I am a sinner too, and I, have, I struggle with stuff, but I've, I've seen something. I've seen a pattern. I've seen a sin in your life that is really, really I'm concerned about between you and me. Jesus says if he listens to you, the idea of listening there carries with the idea of hearing you and repenting of that sin, then you've won your brother. You rejoice. You, you go on your way celebrating and excited that God has granted repentance. God has brought, uh, has restored a brother that was falling, had fallen, or was about to fall, but you've been able to restore him in a spiritual manner through this relationship of brother to brother or sister to sister or however God shows you. Now, now, Jesus says it won't always work that way. And so he says, if he does not listen to you, then take one or two more with you. Again, you don't go to them and say, you know what Jeff's doing. You say, I need to go talk with Jeff. I've been once before, and, uh, and, 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 and he wouldn't listen to me. I need for you to go. I don't want to tell you what it is. You'll know when we get there. 
and, and you take someone else or two people with you and you go to him and you say, listen, I've seen, we've seen, I've seen this and then either they can confirm it or they might look at you and say, you're off your rocker. We don't see that. But if it's a reality, they will see it. And, and he says, if he listens, you got two or three witnesses and, and if he listens, you've won him. But if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Boy, that, that's getting serious. Only about five times in my 39 years of ministry have I ever seen it come to that point. But it has come to that point. Uh, about five, maybe six times. And in and, and, and those times, this person refused to listen to those who went to him. He refused to, to consider the depth and the gravity of his sin. Most of these cases was adultery and, and leaving a family, leaving a wife. But in that situation, the church was told, and the church was called to pray for him. And let's pray for this person. Now, it's, it's not gossip now because it has gone beyond that because you followed the steps accurately. And now you're going to the family, the whole family, and you're saying, listen, we've got a brother, a professing brother who is in this way, and we need to help him. Pray for him. If you see him, encourage him to repentance. And that gets the whole body involved in really caring for him and if he refuses to listen if even then he refuses to listen to the church let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector now that doesn't mean shunning him and a lot of people in the past have said well and I've seen churches do this they excommunicate someone and, and they've shunned them they, they've actually told people in the church I had a, a pastoral acquaintance who did this one time with a family and uh they were wrong, the, the family was in sin, and they were excommunicating the church as, as it were. And, and the pastor told the church, now, you are not to have anything to do with them whatsoever. You don't talk to them, you don't go to their house, you don't have fellowship with them, you, don't have, you shun them completely. That's absolutely unbiblical. You're to treat them as a Gentile and a tax collector, an IRS man. Well, no, not exactly the same today and as then. But what does that mean? That means you're to pray for them and you're to share the gospel with them. You're, you're to get with them for the purpose of sharing the gospel, witnessing to them. You don't quit calling them to repentance. You don't quit because at that point, you're treating them as an unbeliever. There is no fruit, there's no evidence in their life that they are in Christ. And so now, you, you go to them and you start building that relationship on a different level. Not brother to brother, but now believer to unbeliever, sharing the gospel praying for them and seeking to restore them and bring them back into the family. That's what Paul is saying. Saying the same thing Jesus said in chapter 6, verse 1. You who are spiritual, you who are living by the Spirit and walking by the Spirit, you who are spiritual, restore this one in a spirit of gentleness. Now we very easily, could easily cop out to some degree and say, oh well, I'm not spiritual enough. If you're in Christ and you're seeking to walk by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being led by Jesus Christ, then you're spiritual enough because you are spiritual. You're in Him. And so Paul says it's important you do this in a spirit of gentleness. Not haughty, not boastful, not challenging, not envying, but spiritually speaking. 
the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things you approach this brother with because that's what a spiritual person does. That's the fruit that's born in the life of one that is walking in the Spirit and walking by the Spirit. Then he gives a warning. But when you're doing this, each one of you looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. What is the temptation he's talking about there? What is the temptation when you're dealing with a brother or sister who has fallen into sin, who has fallen into a, a situation that is, is even dangerously close to, to uh, bringing remorse and bringing a rebuke upon the church of Christ? What is the temptation that you might have? Well, it's simply this. It's to be haughty. It's to be prideful. It's to, to think, well, you know, he's fallen, she's fallen, but I never would. I'm spiritual. I'm stronger. I would never fall in that kind of sin. I remember one time in Florida when we had a man who, who did this and had to be brought to the church, and I, I had one person tell me, he said, well, man, I'm telling you what, I'd never do that. And I said, whoa, don't think that. Because except for the grace of God, there go you and me both. Because if we get our eyes off of Christ and we get our eyes on ourselves and we become prideful and think, oh, well, I would never do that, we're right at the point where Satan wants us to be. Right at the point where he wants us to be. Because then our defenses are down and his attack will be imminent and it will be ugly. So he says, completely restore those who sin. And then in verses 2 through 5, he takes a little different track, but it's really the same thing. Instead of just completely restoring the ones who sin, we're to be bearing one another's burdens. He says, bear one another's burdens. How clear could it be? And thereby fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? What is the law of Christ? That's not a rhetorical question. That's an actual question. What is the law of Christ? The Ten Commandments? That's good. That's not exactly what I'm looking for, but that's, that is, that's the law of God, and that's good, Sidney. What about love one another? By this, all the world will know that you're my disciples. Uh, John 13. And, and you could also tie into that when he said, what are the two greatest commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, might, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor, love your brother as yourself. So Paul is saying here in these passages, in this verse, verses 2 through 5, that we are to bear one another's burdens. And by bearing one another's burdens, we're showing love to one another. We're showing compassion to one another. We're showing we love God and are walking in the Spirit. And we're showing we love each other and we're proving to be His disciples because we're bearing the burdens of one another. Most of us, now let's just get raw honest here. Most of us don't want to bear somebody else's burdens. You know, we, we show it on Sunday morning. We show it during the week. We see somebody, it's a brother or sister in Christ. We see them, we say, hey, how are you? 
what do we anticipate them saying back? I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Just watch somebody if they go up to somebody and says, hey, how you doing? Oh, you don't want to know. No, you're right, I don't. And we go and we turn away and walk away. We really do that. Because the last thing we want to do is hear somebody now just kind of dump every problem in the world they've got out on us. You know, oh, well, I'm struggling with this. My, my child's doing this. My, my, my husband's doing this. My wife, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, my boss is on my case all the time, and I'm just, I'm just going under the pile. Paul says we are to bear that burden with one another. We ought to say, well, brother, sister, let's go over here and let's just get apart from everything else and let's pray together. Let's talk about that. Let, tell me what's going on. Uh, not so I can go tell somebody else or have some kind of news that I might find useful later, but just to bear that burden with, just to say, listen, I really care about you. I really do love you. You really are my brother. You really are my sister in Christ. We don't just do this one day a week in order to get our, in order to get our check off that we went to church. We're to be a family. So you bear one another's burdens. And in doing that, you fulfill the law of God, the law of Christ. It says, For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. How many of you are something? <laughs> How many of you are really special something? Good. Okay, I, I, I knew that was being going to be used wrong. No, the point is, we are nothing in Christ. We are nothing outside of Christ. Rephrase that. We're nothing outside of Christ. He is our everything. He is our Lord. He is our strength. He is our guidance. He is our. He's our everything. And and Paul is just simply saying, listen, if you think you're something, we're all something. Some of us more something than others. But, but what he's saying here, if you think you're something special, if you think you're better than somebody else, if you think you're, you really got it together, then you're deceiving yourself. We are all in need of the grace of Christ. We're all in need of the body of Christ. We're all in need of this coming together and being a part of one another because that's what it's all about. So he says, listen, examine yourself. Examine your own work. And then, I love this, then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. Now it sounds like Paul is saying there, look inwardly and just find what you can boast about. That's not what he's saying, folks. I know it's not what he's saying because in just a few verses, we'll deal with this in depth in a few weeks, he's going to say, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have anything to boast about. But what he's saying here is if you, if you really examine yourselves in light of walking in the Spirit, in light of who Christ is, if you really examine yourselves, you'll realize you don't have anything to boast about, but what you find yourself doing is you boast about yourself in relation to another person. I'm not as bad as they are. I'm better than they are. I'm, I'm more spiritual than they are. He said, get your eyes off one another as far as comparisons go. goes back to that same thing. Don't become boastful. Don't challenge one another. Don't envy one another. 
But just examine your own life. For each one will bear his own load under Christ. That's what Paul's saying. Each one's responsible for what God has given you. Each person is responsible to be obedient to what God has given you. To your spiritual gift, whatever that is. To your spiritual ministry, your church ministry, whatever that is. And all of us are given one. All of us are assigned one by Christ in this body. In this body right here that you're a part of. So what Paul is saying is, listen, find where God's gifted you. Find how you can minister to one another and bear one another's burdens and care for one another in the deepest type of relationship. That's important. You know, we, we have so individualized Christianity that we have made it something other than the biblical version. We have so said, oh, I, I can't talk to anybody about their sin. That would, be, that would be arrogant. No, that would be humble if you go in the right attitude. That would be ministering. That would be bearing a burden. That would be caring for them. Well, they may not accept me. That's not your responsibility. Jesus says you go to them. Don't go to somebody else. Go to them in private. And maybe, just maybe, God's grace will use you to restore that brother or sister of faith in Christ, to faith and to a walk with Christ. That's really important. And, and I don't know why we've allowed this this individualized version of Christianity, this, this non-communal, non-family version of Christianity to so permeate our churches. Part of it has to do with the size of a lot of our churches. You can't be a mega church and do this. You really can't. Because quite honestly, you don't know who they are. And you just have a show mentality, a come and see mentality. We need to have an interaction mentality. We really do interact with one another. You, you need to pick out somebody in this fellowship that you don't know. You need to pick out somebody you don't have anything in common with. They're different from you. And you need to get to know them. And you need to say, how can I pray for you? I want to be, I want to bear your burden. I want to be your friend. I want to be your brother or sister. I, how, can I, how can I minister to you? How can I pray for you? You need to just really come to that point of saying, I need to find somebody. I, you know, we're, all, we're, we're as bad as anybody else with our own little cocoon. And, and Somerset is, well, Somerset. But, uh, you know, I, Red and I can't, we can't just kind of cocoon up with our family because we don't have any family here. You know, we have to look outside the family to find people. But even then, we find people that we just kind of gel with, and we say, well, we'll be with them. They're, they're our age. They're our socioeconomic. They're our, they have our likes. And we never, never break out of that. If we don't do that, we'll never be the, we'll never be the family that God intends for us to be. We'll never care for one another enough to restore someone who's fallen into sin and trespass. That's what God intends for every single one of us to be involved in. We'll talk more about this later. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we are grateful to you.
for your goodness and for your grace. Father, we thank you that you have called us to a ministry of reconciliation. You've called us to a ministry of restoration. And I pray, Lord, this week, you'd lay it on all our hearts to just get to know somebody in this body that we don't know. That's the first step. Just get to know somebody that's different from us. Show them the love of Christ. Fulfill the law of Christ in their lives. Father, thank you for what you're doing at Grace. And thank you for what you're going to do and what you have done. Father, we look to be more than just another place to come one day a week or two days a week. Lord, that we would be the church of the living God in Somerset, living out principles of truth that you teach us in your word. Thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name.